Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. Hello, and welcome to The Built Revolution podcast brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. This is Clark Ellis, Principal with Continuum Advisory Group, and today we are going to be talking about lean and integrated project delivery. This is the second in our lean and IPD series, and I have Kelsey Henderson, our president here, to talk to us today about a, an extremely important topic, organizational adoption of these concepts and these practices and how to do it right. So I'm going to jump right in with you, Kelsey, here and, and get you to explain to our audience why is organizational adoption so important for companies that are trying to implement lean and integrated project delivery? Awesome. So this is a topic that I have a lot of passion around and a topic that we spend a lot of time working with our clients on. We've gone through a number of these initiatives and and helped clients build roadmaps. We're going to talk more about what the process looks like in a little while. But to me, this topic is so important because, you know, over the past several years, both lean and integrated project delivery have gotten a lot more popular. They've gained a lot more traction in the market. And while that is absolutely fabulous and, and we're very excited about it, recently I have spoken with more and more Um, suppliers, partners, you know, organizations, contractors in the industry who are coming away with some baggage and maybe some scars due to poor or mismanaged implementation. And we talked last time about partnering, how that had become sort of a dirty word at a certain point during its evolution in our space and, and a little bit of a box checking exercise. And that's something that I really want to watch out for with Lean and IPD. You know, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the direction we're going, but as as with any sort of a practice like this, as it sort of evolves over time, there's a tendency to, you know, to kind of grab something off the shelf and say, okay, well, I've heard that this can create a lot of efficiency or can save me a lot of money. And so, yeah, let's do it, but, you know, make it somebody else's job. Right. Give me the lean pill. Exactly, exactly. Um, Or the shot or or whatever it may be, but, and it truly doesn't work that way. A few years back, I, I wrote a viewpoint for ENR on, that was entitled "Lean is not a Band-Aid." Right, and you know, there's a lot of work that has to be done to really do this correctly. And I think there's a lot of pain that can be caused if it's attempted without putting that work in. Um, so I think it's a really important topic, and I think it's something that you know I wish more people had some awareness of. And so I think that's what we're trying to do today: is kind yeah. of a short easy way to get started with with the concept and to start the conversation within your organizations. That makes a lot of sense. I guess um, it, you know, it really reminds me when, when we as Continuum are coming at you know, Lean and IPD, at our core, we're a strategy firm that helps organizations you know, go through organizational change mm-hmm. and organizational development. And so I think that that really colors the way we look at these challenges. And I think really positions us well for this particular topic. So how do you start? Like, where do you begin? And why would we start in that way? I think it's, it's just some really important insights there. Yeah. So we're going to talk process in a little bit and, yep. and what our approach looks like with a client. But 
to me, there's only one place to start if you're really going to do this right. And that's starting with the why. Mm. Understanding why you want to pursue this sort of, of a change within your organization. What are you trying to accomplish? Are your goals for this internally focused? And so that could be something like, you know, improving productivity, um, improving employee satisfaction and retention. We talked last time about, you know, how, how people who work in projects of this nature are so much more fulfilled and satisfied with the work that they're doing. And so is internally organizationally focused as to why you want to do this and what you want to accomplish? Or is it more externally focused? So that could be something like, you know, your clients are asking for it. Or it could be, you know, some sort of a strategic market advantage, or it could be, you know, even from a, a sales perspective, if you're talking about, you know, your contractor organization or an engineering firm, is it that you think you could chase different types of clients if you had this skill set or this expertise? And so, you know, none of those are, are wrong reasons. You know, any of those could be, it could be the right reason, and it could be a mix of those. But having a clear understanding of, of your personal why um, and then what that might look like for your organization as far as what you want to accomplish is really the, the place to start, um, in my opinion. And from there, you know, there are a couple of questions you might want to ask yourself as you start to flesh that out. You know, does this fit cu culturally within your organization? What is your organizational culture and, you know, how might this fit into it? And that'll help you kind of understand maybe where to get started within the organization as well. And then, you know, the kind of the final piece of that process and how you might take it the, to the next level is maybe establish some conditions of satisfaction for the overall initiative. Mm -hmm. And that's usually something that we involve as a part of our process when we're working with a client on this. But um, just even getting started, you know, think clearly about what you want to accomplish. What would success look like if you were able to get this to take hold and to roll it out? And and that really kind of helps to, you know, as, as a tipping point for building, you know, the internal business plan mm -hmm. uh, for starting the process with messaging and, and sort of selling internally. That makes a lot of sense. I think I want to just take a second and go back to your comment about cultural fit. Mm -hmm. you know, what are some of the keys you think culturally that will help organizations be able to adopt, you know, lean and IPD more readily than others? Well, the easiest organizations um, to adopt things like this are, are those that have a culture of learning. Mm -hmm. Nobody loves change, but right. having that desire to learn, um, having that be a part of your culture that you explore new topics and, and some organizations that we work with even have an approach and a process for that where they have a kind of a structured way of, you know, little teams that go out and learn about new processes and topics, bring that back to the organization, test, pilot, and implement things. And so if you've got a culture that embraces learning and in new concepts and topics, that's you know a phenomenal place to start. Not saying that you can't do it right. if that's not already a part of your culture, but sure. you know, those organizations are already set up in order in a way that you know it's a good cultural fit to explore things like this. That makes sense. And, and, and just, you know, kind of the flip side of that, are there any cultural attributes that you may want to watch out for as you're, as you're kind of you know, thinking about going down this path that, that you, you may want to address or, or just be aware of? One that jumps to mind is if there's a kind of a strong command and control, mm -hmm. um, hierarchical, you know, culture, there can be some benefits to that as well. You know, as an employee coming into that sort of an organization, you might have a very clear roadmap or pathway to what success looks like. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there could be some barriers for, you know, implementing new concepts and new ideas. So it's, again, not saying it's impossible, but it's a watch out. It's something to right. be aware of. And 
and to take into consideration as you're starting to explore something like this. Great. Those are good insights and help, help helps me to, to think about it myself. So I appreciate that. Um, so, so we've talked about, you know, kind of where to begin, starting with the why, you know, establishing the goals, talking about cultural fit, and then, you know, really kind of uh, developing you know, your conditions of satisfaction for, for the initiative. But in your experience, uh, you know, who, who typically starts it in the organization and, and maybe who ought to uh, and, and how do they do that? So I love this question because I think there's a little bit of an assumption that it's got to start at the top. And I've seen that, you know, that myth busted time and time again. Certainly I've seen successful organizations where it's been sort of an executive level, you know, within the construction group at uh, an owner organization or the executive level within the firm for a contractor organization who's had the concept and really wanted to drive it. But I've seen it start at, at all levels in organizations. I've seen it, you know, be even a project manager for a CM firm who worked on a project that was trying some different practices and got really excited about it and they wanted to bring it back. And so more of like that grassroots start. Mm -hmm. And I think really anybody can start this. I think it's, you know, you do eventually need that executive sponsorship and support, but you can build that. And so I wouldn't hesitate if you are at, you know, kind of a middle or lower level within an organization, I wouldn't hesitate to to start the conversation with your peers and, you know, with your superiors and, you know, throughout the organization. And you also kind of asked how. And so I want to speak specifically to maybe those folks who aren't at the executive level, because one of the things that I've seen be the most successful is um, utilizing some existing platforms within the company. And so, you know, do you have an annual all hands meeting or is there some retreat that your team does or, you know, what are those, those existing platforms where you can raise your hand and say, Hey, you know, I've got something I'm really excited about. Can I bring this as a topic to this next event? Or do we do lunch and learns or whatever it may be, you know, use some, some of those existing models and and systems that are already in place and find a way to get yourself on a stage you know, as scary as that might be, but to, you know, to start the conversation by kind of taking advantage of structures that are already there. Right. You know, another thing that I, that I always encourage is once you've got the conversation going, maybe you've garnered a little bit of interest or support, you really need to build a business case. And one of the things I talked about already was starting with conditions of satisfaction, but, you know, what are you hoping to accomplish here? What do you, what value is this going to bring to the business? And then you start to use that to sell it internally. It's almost like an internal PR campaign. Right. And then education is, is a key component too. And, and that's not saying like we have to go out and get training on the practices, but just general education. What is this? You know, right. who's doing it in the industry? What are the results that they're getting? Um, how would it apply to us? And and you have to educate both up and down. So, you know, there's a lot of executive education that has to exist when when you're, you know, bringing things that you might be seeing, you know, in the field back into the office situation. And then there's also kind of, so that educating up piece, but then also educating down. And once you start to get a little bit of a hold with adoption, how do you spread the word throughout the organization and start to generate a lot of excitement around it? Um, And again, back to that sort of internal PR campaign. And so, you know, short answer is anybody can start it. And with the how it's, you know, you really, really have to to build that case for it, use your existing platforms, generate excitement, and and start to sell it. That's great. It's, it's, it's always exciting, you know, to hear uh, hear you talk about that and talk about how 
these these great change initiatives can come from anywhere in the organization, and that in many, in most cases the the infrastructure is already there uh, for for change agents to to leverage you know, to create those opportunities. Uh, so that's fantastic, and I, and I've seen it happen as well. So it's an exciting thing, and uh, it's really one of the more uh, interesting, I think, and enjoyable parts of our practices when we we are able to help clients, you know, get that get that little fire started, you know, and and see it and watch it really kind of go throughout the organization and affect their customers as well. So talk let's talk a little bit about uh, about our formula, um, you know, about kind of how. You know, our perspective and you know how we like to uh, guide our clients you know, through the through this journey of, of organizational adoption. Yeah, I feel like that's a you know a good place to sort of wrap this episode up and, and tie it in a bow. And we've worked with a number of organizations over the years on how to do this and how to approach it, and that ranges from large owners, you know, within their capital construction program to smaller contractors and project management firms and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's all over the place as far as the organizations that we've worked with, but we have honed sort of a process that we've found to be really successful with clients of all sizes. And so, you know, again, I, I asked that they start with the why, and that's even part of our process in early conversations before we've even been hired to, to work with a firm. But, you know, we want to understand why you're passionate about this, why it matters to you and, and, you know, why you think that it's going to make a difference for your organization and for your, for your teams. From there, you know, once you sort of established the why and, and you've gotten some support for it, one of the first things we do is we want to get a base level assessment. So we want to understand, you know, there's probably some knowledge of, of lean and integrated project delivery um, in the organization. There's probably some exposure to it at minimum, but we want to know where we are. So, you know, what, what is the current knowledge and application? What has people's experience been, whether it's positive or negative? Have you tried any of these practices on different projects before? You know, just what, what's the level of current knowledge? And then also getting a concept of what your current project management processes look like even. So what's your current approach? And then how would this differ? And so getting that baseline so we have something to build from mm-hmm. and using that to, you know, to kind of figure out where we're going. And then from there, if it hasn't already been done, the second step in the process is establishing and solidifying those conditions of satisfaction. We might even do a whole mini episode on conditions of satisfaction later. Um, There's lots of resources out there for those who aren't familiar, but really this is just getting a clear picture of what success looks like. We often talk about this for a specific construction project, but what I mean in this sense is for the Lean IPD implementation for your organization, what does success look like? Um, two or three years down the road, you know, where do you want to be with this and how will you know that we've achieved our goals? The third step is starting to identify what are the specific tools, processes, and practices. Uh, this is where we go back to that cultural fit. There are hundreds and hundreds of different lean construction tools out there. Which ones fit your culture and your organization? Which ones fit the type of work that you do, the type of clients that you work with? you know, what might be the low hanging fruit? What are, you know, two or three things that would be the first things you want to implement on projects? And then what might be the next couple of things? And so, you know, eventually we want to get to a point where we say every project going forward does maybe these five processes. Um, But, you know, then there's dozens of others that you could pick and choose from, but we're not going to mandate those. You know, we want it to be the right fit. So what are the specific tools and processes and practices that are going to work? IPD is a great example. You know, that's not 
often the easiest to achieve as you're starting off with any organization. There's going to be probably some commercial or contractual barriers to that uh, within the company. And so that probably won't be one that you start with. Maybe you build toward it. So just kind of clarifying that. Fourth step in the process is where we want to really build out a roadmap or a charter or, you know, it goes by a lot of different names. But what does our path forward look like? Uh, We want to have clear milestones along that. And we want to have a way to measure success. And one of the big watchouts here is trying to do too much too fast. A lot of the time, the team is very excited at this point. You know, we're really invested in this. We want to run and, and, you know, we might say, okay, well, in a year, all of our projects are going to be doing all of these things. And often, you know, part of our job as a consultant in that conversation is to pump the brakes a little bit and say, okay, let's try to be more realistic. Let's set some, some really realistic, accomplishable milestones and have a point of measurement so that we know that we're on the right track and we have, you know, those conditions of satisfaction to go back to if we need to do a little bit of resetting. So often we'll be working with a team and they'll, they'll want to do everything at once and set a deadline a year from now. And we'll say, okay, well, think about this and that and, and the work that we have to do. What are the steps on this roadmap? And then is that realistic considering what everybody else has to do as a part of their day job? Um, because don't forget that, you know, in most situations, we're not going to go out and hire 15 people who are going to implement this and they have nothing else that they're working on. Right. Um, right. So building a realistic roadmap Um, having a plan for implementation, and then you need to circulate that. So usually we were working with a team who is going to be deploying this, but there's a step along the way where we have to bring that back to the executive level. We need to start socializing it, getting some interest and some traction with the organization. The next step typically that we recommend is to pick some pilot projects. You know, let's not just start with everything across the board, but let's pick a couple of projects that are maybe in you know a specific market. They might be with a certain client. They might be, if you're talking about this from the owner side, they might be something of a certain size, uh, maybe in a geographic region where there's already some experience and knowledge and resources. There's a number of different ways to pick these, but let's start with a couple and let's use those to kind of test and try out and learn from those different practices and you know with a spirit of continuous improvement. Let's measure performance and then use those to hone the approach. And so after we get through, you know, the first couple of projects, we learn from that. We might make some changes and then we start to carry that forward as we roll it out through the rest of the organization. Simultaneously, um, a piece that that works well with that is identifying lean champions. So at the project level, who are the folks that are going to be passionate about this, that are going to drive it forward? They don't have to have a ton of experience or education already. They could be learning on the job, but they've got to be people who have the energy and the excitement, who have the capability to to rally the team around them, who are able to help educate others. And and we might even establish a training program, like a you know a boot camp or a train the trainer program or something like that to begin to roll it out. So as we're rolling it out project to project, we could also be rolling it out from a training perspective throughout the organization as well. And then finally, you know, after going through all of that and, and learning and growing through the process, the final step along the way is, is rolling it out to the organization, but keeping in mind that in the spirit of continuous improvement, this is a lean initiative mm-hmm. that we're going to continue to evolve and grow. And that like with anything, we can't just say, okay, this, this process is done and it's right. in place and this is how it's going to be forever. But we need to build in some of those checks along the way that 
you know, we, we revisit this and grow as the, the practice in our industry grows as well. Well, that's fantastic. It sounds like, though, I guess one way to, to think about this is it, it could seem a little daunting. Yes. <laughs> all, all of those steps that you've just outlined, they all make perfect sense. They're, they're things that, that need to happen uh, and give companies and organizations the best chance at success. I, I agree with that. But I, I think in my experience, that, that may have sounded like a lot, but it may not really be quite that that intense if you really uh, put it into practice. And maybe you could give us an idea of what some, some typical timelines might look like. And obviously, your projects are all different shapes and sizes, so that has a lot to do with it. But as far as the, you know, the kind of the organizational side of things, you know, is this something that, that's going to take you know, organizations uh, two years to, to get through? Is it you know, a six-month or an 18-month kind of a timeline? What, what do you think is, is a reasonable um, way to set expectations for that? Yeah, so it really depends on the type, right. the size of the organization, and then the types of projects that you do as well. So like a large industrial owner mm-hmm. is going to be a much longer process right. than you know a, a mid-sized CM that works in one geographic market. Right. Right. It just is going to vary dramatically. I would say I've never seen an organization do it in six months. Right. So let's just go ahead and take that off the table. Right. You know, you can get started in six months. Absolutely. You can get some of that internal excitement and executive support, but you know, you're not going to be, you know, rolled out right. in six months. And so, you know, definitely be realistic with it. If pilot projects are a, par- a part of your process before you go to roll out, what is the length of those projects? Right. You know, is your typical project a six month project or is it a three, four, five year project? Yeah. If you're piloting on three-year projects and maybe you're running three or four of those simultaneously, then you should probably expect that the overall process is going to be like five to seven years. Right. You know, just being realistic and in the learning and growth from that before it's fully rolled out. You know, we've worked with large owners who've put together a roadmap for for a five to seven year process, but then year seven doesn't mean that every single project in the organization is applying it. Right. It means it's, it's rolled out to a certain point um, that, you know, we've got say a specific metric for the number of projects that are doing, you know, integrated form of agreement or poly, poly party contracts, right. but it's not saying every project and, and a future episode in this series is going to talk about, you know, is IPD right for your project? Right. Um, yeah. It's not right for every single one. Sure. The lean practices can be applied on, almost any project, but IPD may not be the right thing for all of them. And so I want companies to be careful of setting those deadlines for themselves and have some awareness that, you know, start small. There is low hanging fruit. There is a way to get engaged and and get rolling with this, maybe within the first year, but don't try to hold yourself accountable to an unrealistic standard of the time it's going to take. I've worked with some some contractors that have had a three-year roadmap and have been very successful with that. Um, But that's because of, you know, they, they might not have as many internal barriers and, you know, they're working on, on sort of mid-sized projects that that are short enough in duration that they're able to roll out simultaneously through maybe a a couple of different lines of business, for example, a couple of different vertical markets and then go from there. So it really does depend, but I would say six months, just don't even, don't even count on that one. I'd say you're talking, you know, at minimum a two-year process. No, that's, that's helpful. That's really helpful. And I think, I think one of the things that I would want to emphasize too, is with whatever the time frame is for sort of your full, however you want to define kind of fully implemented, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to start generating value and benefit almost immediately upon starting. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
even if you pick a couple of pilot projects, yeah. you know, even though the implementation is probably not going to be perfect and everybody's learning on the job, I can almost guarantee you that, you know, the, the folks who work on the, as part of those teams are going to get a lot of value out of it. And you're going to see some quick wins as far as, you know, efficiency and productivity on those projects as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's plenty of, of, uh, of value there and some, a little bit of incentive to keep you kind of moving forward and, and to be able to see what the potential is. That's, that's fantastic. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for helping us go through this this process and you know, talking about how important it is to really think of this organizationally. You know, I think that's something, again, a lot of organizations, you miss that and really only focus on the project. But you know, thinking, thinking about your organization and how to position yourselves for best success, you know, setting the right goals, and then really setting a timeline and, and, uh, and being realistic, I think is, are, are great points, great insights for our listeners. And uh Hopefully they'll, they'll take them to heart. Is there, is there anything else you want to cover before we uh, we sign off for episode two? No, I, I think that covers it. This was a little bit of a longer one for the yeah. series as far yeah. as most of these will go. But again, just a really critical topic. And hopefully it's helpful for some of you guys who are listening. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Kelsey. And uh, thank you to all who are listening. Uh, this is the Built Revolution Lean and Integrated Project Delivery Series uh, podcast. I'm Clark Ellis, Principal of Continuum Advisory Group. Thank you very much for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.